Hello, everybody. Um, thanks for being here. My name is Alberto Lavandeira. I am the CEO of Atalaya Mining. Atalaya Mining is a company that has uh, copper operations in Spain, the southern Spain, with other development projects uh, also within the Iberian Peninsula. We have been producing for the last eight years and uh, so far we have mined lives at least over 15 years in these operations. Alberto, thank you for the introduction. Good to see you again. You've just published your Q1 results uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe 10 days ago. There's some interesting numbers in there that I'd like to talk about because it really deals with inflation and the copper price and, and where we are. Um, so perhaps let's start there. I mean, do you want to summarize your Q1 results or would you like me to bring out some key numbers? Probably you can ask uh, about the key numbers so that I am not uh, reading numbers that may be boring for the audience. You know, when I looked at the results, I saw that you produced 12,000 tons of copper, 12.1. Um and one thing that struck me was that the cost of production was $3.12 for your all-in sustaining cost versus $3.50, I think it was, the, the the year before. So you've actually had a reduction in costs, which has surprised me because the Ukraine impact, you know, the very, very high electricity prices came after Q1. So can you just explain how the, the cost structure is lower? That's a very good point. From the production point of view, we had um, similar to what we had a previous year, and we believe it's going to be better in the second quarter. We were planning to produce a little bit more. Uh, we simply advanced some of the maintenance that was planned at the plant during the Q2. We advanced it to the last days of, of March, simply to due to operational reasons. But besides that, besides producing uh, less, we had lower costs. That's a very good point. The main reason is the energy. Uh, the energy prices, if you remember well, last year, just before the Ukraine crisis, uh, the uh, Ukraine war started in February uh, 22, the price of gas in Europe went extremely high, and this had a relation, direct relation with the price of electricity. This was like that during the whole year, but uh, specifically very high during the first quarter and the third quarter. This year, we have two factors. First of all, the gas has stabilized since Europe has sourced other ways to get gas without the pipes of link with Russia. And the second thing is that Spain has had a, a, a big increase in solar and wind which reduces the overall cost of electricity. And on top of that, the company, taking advantage to some specific market conditions, last February, uh, one year ago, we signed a 10 years agreement for about one third of our production at a quite um, lower, um, low price of electricity, very, very competitive. So that's the main, um, the main reason why our costs go down. Even having a lower denominator, a lower production uh, than our guidance, the cost of electricity has been huge, has seen a huge reduction. 
in addition to that, there were also some other things that have been reduced, like the prices of some consumables and diesel explosives and so on linked with the general inflation. But the main reduction has been electricity. As, as well as the reduction in cost, when I look at your cash flow from operating activities, in a, I, I can see that there's kind of a... Um, I mean, in the first quarter last year, your cash flow from operations was, was much, much higher, 28 uh, million euros for the quarter around there. And this quarter, or last quarter, is kind of down at 12. Is Is that... Purely a function of, given that the costs have come down, is that is is the reduction in the cash flow from operations? Is that a function of lower copper prices? It's mainly as a result of of much lower copper prices than the previous quarter and the quarter of reference. Actually, our cash flow from operations has been quite good and has allowed us to maintain a very good balance sheet uh, in spite of investments that we are doing and repayment of our medium-term, short-term, medium-term debt. So yeah, the only reason for this lower cash flow, free cash flow, is has been uh, due to the to the lower copper price versus previous year. Q1 last year, we got $4.50 per pound. This year, you've got $4 a pound, and the copper price now is sitting at $3.70 or wherever it is. <laughs> Tell me what you're seeing in the copper market, apart from price fault. Well, I wish I had a, a crystal ball. But the reality that the situation we are seeing, let's say, in the short term is strange. The world, and what I mean short term is, is really during the last few weeks, we have seen the copper price going down from the early parts of the year to from plus $4 per pound to 370 even 360 And initially, the, the view from that was that the China was China, which in general consumes around fifty percent of the, of the copper of the world, was not recovering from COVID as, as expected. A little bit of a slow restart. The truth is that this is going quite well. But now, recently, in the last few weeks, I uh, have heard or read that there is some sensation of of recession, fears in 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 the U.S. or parts of the world which do not match so well with growth in, in lots of industries and with unemployment and with, with lots of consumption of steel, energy. But that's the sensation. So it looks like we have a kind of um, general fear in the short term. Having said that, mining is a long-term business. You have to look at the longer picture. And there's no way the copper can stay these prices anytime long. And this, the reason is quite simple. Um, the current prices of around 370 do not provide any incentive for new production to be brought into the market. Simply, the products are not economic. It's not only no incentive, but simply they would not be economic. From the sales point of view, from the capital cost point of view, all this inflation that you are seeing that raising that is raising the operating costs. It's also affecting the capital cost of new projects, which means new production that is required for a, a world that's growing is not going to happen. And not only the world is growing, simply more people living require more copper, as simple as that, but also the whole world, and not only China, is going through a stage of decarbonization or defossilification 
fossil, away from the fossil fuels. And it's amazing the amount of energy that will required will be required to be substituted. The world consumes over eight billion eight billion tons of coal every year, or maybe around five billion tons of oil every year, I don't know how much of gas. Changing the whole world or as much as possible to a green energy will require huge amounts of copper for the wind and solar. So the future is bright. I've said several times that we are entering in a copper age, like in the, in the, in the early days of, of the human beings, there was the Stone Age and the Bronze Age. We are entering a copper age because actually it's probably not enough copper in the world to do all this. I observe the trend of decarbonization, but I, I don't believe that wind and solar is the, the solution in in. A couple of very specific cases and areas it may work, but nevertheless, there is a government, there are government policies to, to roll this out, and there's also a trend towards electrification, which is also copper heavy. So I, I don't dispute the copper age at all. I just think that the the source of the energy might be nuclear. It might be the most the state of the art coal fired power stations, which have lower CO two emissions than a combined wind solar power um cold grid i mean if you look at the 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 power mix in total um wind and solar can't get anywhere near what we need therefore we need a backup therefore anyway that, but that's another subject that's a pet subject of mine um but certainly electrification is is um a driver of copper demand talking about the uncertainty or the macroeconomic uncertainty do you do people talk to you about uh financial institutions shorting the copper price do you hear anything about kind of leveraged plays on copper as a kind of short-term indicator of the metal price do you do you get feedback about that well we only see what is public in the comics in the in the in the exchanges where you can see the short positions and yes there may be some people shorting and um and taking some advantage of a of a of a market that's going down. But I don't think that's so relevant in, in this market. It's not like in the gold where the amount of future contracts are, are much larger, larger than the physical contracts. In the case of copper, it may be some, some leverage there, but I don't think so. Having said that, that's also very dangerous. It's very dangerous because the, the amount of physical stocks in the world are quite low, really low. And if for some reason the tendency changes, for example, a simple reason of a landslide in a big mine or a, or a war or something like that happening in something that affects a big mine, the balance of production and demand is so tight that it can, the same shorts will be squeezed out and will have to cover buying and it will produce a huge spike in copper prices in a very short term. It's a very dangerous game if somebody is playing that because these things can happen and can happen very fast. As we have seen in the case of nickel, I would say one year ago, where prices really went to double in, in a matter of weeks. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about the stocks. So it's interesting that, they are still, that, uh, that they're still low. Given that we don't know how long the copper price is going to stay weak, it's come $3.64 at the moment. Um, 
you might average $3.75, $3.80 for the quarter. Does that change your investment plans? You've got 55 million euros of cash. You've probably got kind of credit facilities and headroom there, but looking forward, you know, how are you planning the rest of the year? What are your, what are your um, strategic goals and have they changed relative to the context of a weaker copper price? No, they have not changed. We, we look at these things in, uh, in a global point of view and you cannot be looking at the screen to take your decisions. Uh, from the growth point of view, we have, uh, I would say, three areas. One is um, maybe four. One is, let's say, exploration. Exploration is something you do in, of high risk, high reward, and you devote a budget and in your hopes that following the right um, paths, you will be finding more reserves, which add my life, which adds um, value to the company because it's also... Uh, I mean, longer longer life is like a value, uh, how to say, added value for an option, which the option is of of the underlying commodity is the is the metal price. So people can buy instead of options, can buy shares in mining companies. That's I would say some money devoted to growth. That if things went really ugly, we could obviously we can probably cut it in a certain way and limit it to the minimum. But this, this is the only place because the other initiatives which are the development of, uh, of the system, of the mining area around Rio Tinto, which we have two satellite deposits that will increase our mine life and have a huge value proposition, have already demonstrated, according to the studies that we have published, very high returns even in the scenarios of uh, copper price flat at 350 for 15 years, which is totally out of question unless there's a huge world war or something like that. And the discounted cash flows of these projects under this low case scenario are really like double the market cap of the company. So the development scenario of these areas around Rio Tinto He's just marching on with all the permitting, with all the small projects that we have to do, sub-projects, in order to increase our production from around 55,000 tons of copper to have a, a 110,000 tons of copper equivalent, including copper and zinc. That's not changing. And the third and very valuable scenario is the development of the total project in the north part of Spain, which is under permitting. And that one we... We tried to permit it about mm, three years ago, and uh, we are persisting. When we started this this project uh, back in 19, the numbers that we used for the evaluation of the project were 260 copper. So, and at that, those prices, it was interesting. So it means that even with inflation in the capex and probably inflation in the opex, this project is, is going ahead and we continue to, to to permit it and it doesn't matter how long it takes, we will persist because it's a very long life project and it matches perfectly with the with the future of the copper as a, as a perfect metal and commodity to be invested in. How, how is that permitting going? I mean, I, I know it's always dangerous to offer um, uh, expectations of timelines, but um, 
you know, that would be a huge win for the company if you did get it. Look, uh, I think it's going slow from our point of view, but it's going well. The reasons why we didn't get the permit were not technical, were not the existence of a special flower, special pristine environment, nothing like that. The reasons, uh, the, the area is a area that's a brownfield that has been a mine for a while. And actually we were blamed for the legacy waters, the legacy kind of minimum, but contamination of the small streams in the area. Because this mine that was closed back in 88, I believe, 88, 89, uh, did not do things like they are done today. In other words, uh, today things are, the tailings are stored with plastic lined. You make sure you you take care of a, of any potential contamination, and that was not the case at those those times. That was one of the reasons. So oh, this has happened. The the, the position, the anti mining groups said uh, this has happened in the past. If this is opened, it will be worse, which is false. And the second thing that at that time, I would say three things. The second thing was that at that time we all saw a disaster of tailings in, in Brazil. And again, the anti-mining group was, were saying, well, this thing can happen here and it will be very bad for the riverbeds and sea, fishing and everything. Also false in the sense that the system of construction had nothing to do with what we're using. And the third and final was that this kind of um, fear that was created by this um, systematic lies created a, a, a kind of a wave of doubts, which in some way justified to the politicians taking the decision that we didn't have the social license. These three things, are they still there? What has changed? How have we addressed this? We took our time, and the first thing is to address the social license. Spoke and explained to the fishermen, to the local people, explained what we are doing, where it is, one by one, confronting the lies that had no justification. This has been addressed. Second thing is remove any water from the tailings with a best-in-the-world design so that simply a disaster cannot happen in any condition. And third, and last, and I think has been has been a huge success and endorsement of our capabilities is to fix the historic legacy problem with the waters that was there for 30 years. And now anyone going to the site can see the streams totally clean after we stole the water treatment plant and, and some other actions. People have seen that that we can fix things even without having the permits in advance of the investment, which is something unheard. We are fixing something that was not our problem before we start with our project. So this is known by the communities, known by the politicians, is known by the technical people of the local government. And we believe these things are going to be valid reasons to, to have a permit for a mine that can be a really a good example of excellence because there are very good technicians 
in the area. Is this so, something you think might come through this year or next year or um, in 2025? Again, difficult to if, difficult to predict uh, what's a crystal ball. We hope it is this year. We hope it is it's not long because people get tired. There's no justification these things to, to be extended. So we hope it can happen soon. The moment we get this uh, environmental approval, we'll push ahead with investment. It will be a long-term agreement, long-term uh, investment. And um, it will be, it will prove the possibility of showing that things can be done right with the right people and with right investment uh, and be a real model of what the mine should be in the future. Good. Well, I look forward to it. I think I think the the the, the north would benefit from that um, development. Um, coming back to the south, and they plan to increase to double production from fifty five thousand tons per annum to one hundred and ten. Well, what's what's the timeline to reach there, and what are the kind of the key milestones that um, investors should look out for to kind of see that you're making progress on that route? This is composed by by two steps. The first one. We have a, the first one is to look at the assets. We have an existing mine, open pit, producing copper only. Surrounded by these two pits, we have um, uh, another pit and some underground deposits that contain copper and zinc. The copper and zinc contained here has better grade, so better, higher contents of copper and metal than what we have, what we are mining right now. So the first phase would be to mine this high-grade copper in the copper circuit, which will be taking place during the next four years, and with mining expect to happen already uh, next year. We will be starting to mine some of the satellites. And before year five, we need to construct uh, a, a system to recover zinc as a byproduct in addition to copper, and then we will see the much higher increment. Uh, I would say in year six, we will be reaching almost the peak of production. So these things have to happen. First, uh, start moving material in the satellite pits, higher copper grade, and the second, the construction of the sink recovery circuit in order to, to produce this additional byproduct and additional additional to copper. Do you have a kind of guidance for 2024 in terms of its production? Are you looking at 60,000 tons or 65? No, production in 20... Uh, we have not heard the, mine, the detailed mining plan, but production in, in 24 will be similar to this year, around 54, 55,000 tons of copper. Then it goes up to 60 when the higher grade comes in. And then uh, depends on how fast we can advance the mining of these high-grade zones we can get to 70 80 only copper within our circuits we are not going to expand the treatment capacity of the plant so we're not going to to expand the throughput what we are going to be doing is feeding the existing installation with higher grade, with better material, which will produce more. Good. So, and also later on, you're going to be adding the zinc circuit as well. So, do you need to 
change your balance sheet structure to com- complete the next phase? Or can you do it from existing facilities and cash flow? We can do it uh, with existing facilities and cash flows. Of course, assuming that the, the copper price does not uh, go to $3 in a continued basis. But in our normal terms, we should be able to do it with our existing facilities. Also important to note that uh, we could maintain the status quo. We could just maintain, stay with where we are without even adding the sink circuit. The sink is not going to disappear. The only thing is that we, so we don't need to rush to invest. The only thing is that um, doing it later, it just, mm, how can I say, concentrates the mine plan in less years and is not as, as, as logic. You have a, how can I explain it? We have a, a, an open pit which can laminate the production from underground deposits. So you always have a kind of buffer there. If you only mine the open pit and then you pretend to mine the underground all at once at the later stage, it's not, it's not optimal. So we can adjust to the existing cover prices if needed. But knowing that in the long term, these prices are going to be there and these resources are going to be mined. Good. And um, there's also the time value of money, of course. So from a, from a, a um, net present value or discounted cash flow analysis perspective, it, um, you don't want to just push things out into the far distance. You know, it's better to bring things forward. Exactly. We want to bring the high grade uh, zones as soon as possible. And we can do that with existing cash flows and the cash flow generated by the operations. I mean, the, the investments are not that great. So what does the, the second half of this year look like? I mean, I know it's still May, but, you know, the, the next seven months of the year, is it steady as she goes and st- steady, steady, let's watch the copper price? Or is there something else you've got um, planned? Oh, we haven't mentioned Elix. Okay. Starting with production, um, we already more than half of the second quarter and so far has been quite good. So I... Sp- the second quarter unless something happens in June which we don't expect of course to be quite good second quarter from production point of view and very likely from from operating cost point of view also in the second part uh, we also expect a quite um, steady quarter I would say that um, I'm not sure when the maintenance uh, Second maintenance of the mill is is planned, uh, which have one each roughly six months, so it can be close to the end of the third quarter or the first part of the last quarter. In any case, that's the only place where we can see again a small reduction in production, temporary of course. But I we expect a year non with non events. Um, Elix is something interesting for those that do not know this is it's a kind of novel system to be able to leach to, to dissolve copper and zinc concentrates and uh, produce metal directly uh, the plant is under construction I would say it's going slower than I expected um, that we I would want because we are providing the funds but the construction itself has been done by the provider of technology the owner of the technology and they let's say that they are very conscious of maintaining the the trade secret or the the industrial secret so that they don't bring too many 
specialized engineering firms in to speed up things. That's the only reason. Having said that, um, we believe we are going to be able to, to already start with some concentrates through uh, commissioning late summer, which can be the last part of quarter three or the first part of quarter four. Good. Well, we'll look forward to um, those results. Um, Alberto, thank you very much for your time. It's been um, really interesting hearing about the latest developments in the company. You are very welcome. Thanks a lot for for your help and assistance. And we look forward to maintain contact with you and with the audience.